morning. Survived another challenge. Um, think about this in this different world. You're a child, you're in school, you're waiting for a snow day, you get a snow day, except you're not in school. You can't even have a snow day. I don't think they have virtual snow days. New world, new times. Um, I want to thank all the uh, first responders who did a fantastic job yesterday, uh, all across the board. It was a dangerous situation. It was a challenging situation. Uh, storm was of uh, uh, near historic proportion, and it was well handled all across the board. Uh, more to do to clean up today, certainly. But uh, a situation like yesterday, uh, people can die. Uh, we've had situations with people stranded on roads uh, through the night. Uh, it gets, it can be very dangerous very quickly. Uh, so it was handled well across the board. Uh, roads are open, trains are running today. Uh, we'll get an update. But I want to thank everyone who worked uh, very long and hard last night. Uh, and it was ugly out there. And uh, they did a fantastic job all across the board. Uh, let's start with, uh, to my left, uh, Mr. Rick Cotton, who is the executive director of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, uh, runs the terminals, runs the airports. Mr. Cotton. Uh, thank you, Governor. Uh, the airports uh, have resumed operations. Uh, flights uh, have uh, been taking off and landing uh, at a reduced level this morning. The airlines have canceled 45 percent of their schedule for the day. Uh, so check with your carrier if you are planning to travel. Uh, the Newark Air Train has two segments uh, down due to icing, but a shuttle bus service is in force. Uh, all of the bridges and tunnels are open and operating with light traffic. At the bus terminal, all commuter bus lines have continued their suspension of service until further notice. There are a few intercity buses who are uh, scheduled to depart later today. At PATH, PATH has resumed a limited 15-minute service from Journal Square to the World Trade Center to Hoboken and to 33rd Street, but service to Harrison and Newark remains suspended. Uh, their target is to have full service restored by tomorrow morning. And, Governor, that's my report. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Patrick Ford, Chairman and CEO of the MTA. Uh, thank you, Governor. First, I want to start by thanking the thousands of men and women of the MTA who are out there before, during, and continue to be out there, Governor, cleaning uh, and clearing. Thanks to their efforts, we were able to restore subway service above ground and below ground, for that matter, at 5 o'clock this morning with residual delays. Long Island Railroad uh, began running weekend service at 4 a.m., and Metro North's first trains uh, commenced around the same time regular service. Uh, buses continue to operate with the reduced service today. As for bridges and tunnels, the empty and tandem tractor-trailer ban was lifted at 6 o'clock in the morning. All things considered, Governor, everything went well. We had been planning for this particular storm for a number of days and in some ways for years, and we're monitoring conditions minute by minute and hour by hour. The decision to suspend above-ground service on the subways and Metro North and Long Island Railroad yesterday was clearly the right one. 
some train uh, subway cars en route prior to cessation, uh, cessation of above-ground service uh, did get caught in snowdrifts, uh, one, one in particular needed to be uh, dug out. Uh, in terms of snowfall, this is one of the uh, most the extensive uh, snow events in the history uh, of New York City, so our crews had an incredible job in front of them. Snow clearing and salting continues today. Safety is our highest priority, uh, and every decision that was made was taken with that in mind. Uh, ridership governor was light during the storm. Subway saw approximately 11% of pre-COVID ridership and about 30% of current ridership, buses carried about 13% of uh, pre-COVID ridership. We continue to advise New Yorkers to continue to stay home and avoid unnecessarily travel while the uh, cleanup continues today. Earlier this morning, there was a water main break, a city water main at uh, 96th Street on the west side, which temporarily affected service on the 1, 2, and 3 lines. But uh, Sarah Feinberg and her team have gotten that resolved. Crews acted quickly and worked with New York City DEP to get service uh, up and running. Uh, again, I want to give an incredible uh, shout-out to our incredible workforce who once again showed their mettle. Uh, Sarah and her team had literally uh, nearly 10,000 people working out clearing snow. Long Island Railroad approximately 2,000 and 1,600 approximately for uh, Metro North. I also want to give a shout-out to our partners in the Sanitation uh, Department of the City of New York who closely coordinated plowing activities uh, with our buses. Finally, there's another storm on the horizon, and uh, we're confident we can handle whatever comes our way. Thanks, Governor. Thanks. Thanks for that uh, last point, just in case we forgot. Another storm. What a surprise. Who would have guessed? Uh, to the head of the New York City Transit Authority, Sarah Feinberg. Thanks, Governor. Um, all great points from Pat. I'll try not to, uh, to repeat you. Um, as always, New York City Transit workforce rose to the challenge, uh, started prepping and planning days ago for the double whammy of, uh, first, the extremely frigid temperatures at the end of last week and into the weekend, and then the snow. Uh, we continue to operate underground service throughout the storm. Uh, as Pat said, over 9,500 employees, hourly managers, and supervisors were deployed to respond to the storm, keeping stations, tracks, and yards operational and clear of snow. Every station, 472, were sanded, salted, and shoveled. Several passes of snow removal were completed at above and below ground stations through the storm. To the extent that we have residual issues this morning, some of those are related to continuing to clear stations. Crews are still out uh, this, today uh, working through that. Um, we had more than 100 portable snow blowers and throwers out, deployed over 40 pieces of snow fighting equipment. We operated sweeper trains with ice scraper shoes to assist with clearing ice on the third rail, responded to 52 switch malfunctions. Maintenance of way dug out the tracks at 68 locations where heavy snow is accumulating and dug out by hand eight revenue trains and one de-icer train. Countless service delivery crews were digging out the stop arms of signals by hand. We maintained 20 major yards by continuously clearing the tracks and keeping signals operational. I want to thank our customers for their patience while we took these measures to keep them safe and closed above ground service. On buses, as Pat said, 13% ridership. Uh, I think the uh, decision to provide reduced service yesterday in order rem to remove the articulated buses and chain all 40-foot buses enabled us to continue to provide service throughout the entire event. We have some routes across the city uh, still with minor detours as sanitation completes the snow-clearing efforts. 
As Pat said, looking ahead, we're closely watching the weather forecasts for the next storm. Uh, but my huge thanks to the men and women of New York City Transit who once again got us through. Thank you. Well said. Uh, Mike Kopey, who is the director of the, uh, our emergency efforts statewide. Uh, thank you, Governor. Uh, just a quick update on the snow. Although it's not snowing here in the metropolitan New York City area, it continues to snow uh, in different places across the state. Uh, over the next 12 hours, we expect to see another 10 to 12 inches in the North Country in Plattsburgh. Through the Syracuse Finger Lakes region, we're going to see 6 to 8 inches. And the other points north of the Catskills and even the northern suburbs should expect to see another 1 to 3 inches before the uh, snow ends. During the course of the event, the state police handled over 300 accidents throughout the state, including a fatal snowmobile accident in Orange County, a Department of Transportation truck was involved in an accident with somebody on the road, who resulted in minor injuries, and a state trooper who was assisting a disabled motorist in Seneca County was injured also. Fortunately, everyone there sustained uh, minor injuries. Uh, just for those who may be venturing out today to the state parks, I'd ask you to please check the park's website. Due to the snow, there are a number of facilities that are still closed uh, at this point. Uh, just following up on uh, what Pat said also, we have not one but two storms that are coming in, and so I just ask the public, it's always best to prepare early. We're expecting some form of winter precipitation on Friday, Friday afternoon. That'll be downstate and uh, parts of upstate. And Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday could be another larger snowstorm that we're tracking right now. So from a preparedness standpoint, it's always best to prepare early. Uh, Governor, that's it. We continue to be prepared. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Rick and uh, Pat and Sarah because we still have more snow uh, moving upstate. The storm is moving north, and they've agreed to uh, go work in upstate New York today and uh, help them with their snow issues, so I want to thank them very much. Kidding. Only myself and Mr. Copey do that. Uh, the... As, as everyone has said, uh, thank everyone who did a great job. And, you know, we tend to think that snowstorm, it's an inconvenience, it's a problem, uh, things close, it's a, a problem shoveling snow. These can be deadly events if they are not handled correctly. If you don't get the roads uh, cleaned properly, uh, people have accidents, people die. Uh, if you don't get the roads cleaned properly, as I mentioned before, uh, people get stranded. And uh, if you're stuck in a car in a highway overnight, it gets very dicey very quickly. If you get stuck in a train uh, overnight and uh, it gets cold, it, it gets very dangerous very quickly. So uh, they did a great, great job, and uh, we thank them, and uh, more storms coming. But... That is the period of life that we are in, right? We're in a period of storms and attacks and assaults. Uh, let's go to one of them. Today is 339 since we've been dealing with COVID. These are the COVID numbers today, 5.47, seven-day average 4.9. 146 people passed away. They are in our thoughts and prayers. Hospitalization up 64, ICU up 3, intubations up 17. This is the percentage hospitalized. Long Island, Long Island, Long Island. Uh, we've been talking about 
and the Mohawk Valley has been problematic, uh, but Long Island has been problematic for a period of time. Highest positivity, Long Island and Mid-Hudson. In New York City, highest positivity, the Bronx, 6.4, uh, and that has been for a period of time. And uh, again, there's a significant difference. Uh, you look at Manhattan, look at Staten Island. We've made good progress in Staten Island, and I want to thank the Staten Island community for that. But the holiday surge uh, has tapered off, and we are on the decline. Uh, 4.95, that's the first time we've had that lower positivity since the beginning of December. And the beginning of December was just at the start of the holiday surge, right? You had Thanksgiving. Uh, a few days later, you start to get the results of infection spread on Thanksgiving. So uh, that's where we are. You see the hospitalization rate is coming down. Vaccines, uh, we've done now over 2 million vaccines. Uh, first dose is 1.6, second dose is 385. Healthcare workers are a priority when we started this, nursing homes and healthcare workers were the two priorities. Nursing home workers, we have vaccinated, uh, and then it was hospital workers. Why hospital workers? Because they're the nurses, they're the doctors, they're the people who are exposed to COVID the most. Uh, if they get infected, they're super spreaders. And if they get infected, the hospitals will close. Uh, we've seen this all across the board. Hospital capacity is the key. Hospital capacity, if you get into trouble, it's going to be because they don't have enough staff, not because they don't have enough beds. They won't have enough staff. They won't have enough staff because the staff got sick. So vaccinating healthcare workers. When we got off, when we started, uh, we started off uh, at about 63%. We're now at 75%. Uh, that's a, a great progress, and I want to thank the hospitals. Uh, we still have a differential, and it's a dramatic differential, and uh, to me it's all but inexplicable. Some hospitals in this state, some hospitals in all regions of this state, have done 100% of their uh, frontline staff. Some hospitals are 39%, 40%, 42, 44. Hospitals within the same region go from 100% to 40%. How can you have a situation in New York City hospitals, sometimes in the same system, where some hospitals are at 100 and some are at, are at 40? Uh, the local health departments need to focus on this work on those low-performing hospitals to get the vaccinations up. Uh, and that'll make a, a dramatic difference because these will be the hospitals that will get into trouble if we have a significant outbreak in COVID again. So uh, please, local health departments, focus on that. On vaccines, uh, we say vaccine is a supply issue. That is a little bit uh, shorthand. Yes, from a state's point of view, it's a supply issue. We have 7.1 million people who are eligible 
we have 300,000 doses per week that we get. Do the math. Uh, it's a supply issue. We have an extensive distribution chain. Uh, private pharmacies, local governments, hospitals, mass vaccination sites, which are uh, the single most productive uh, vaccination distribution mechanism. Uh, so we have the distribution, we just don't have the product, right? Uh, the shelves are empty. Uh, that, uh, there's nothing we can do about that. That is dependent on the federal government providing us with a weekly allocation. Well, why doesn't the federal government provide us with more? Because the federal government isn't making this in the White House. The federal government is buying it from the pr private pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, et cetera. Uh, so they have to increase supply by increasing the production by the drug companies. And the White House has been working on that. President Biden has made it a top priority. Uh, we had a meeting this morning with the uh, White House officials, with the governors across uh, the state, and we actually got good news. Federal s supply will increase again. If you remember, the federal government increase the supply to the state, what we call the state allocation, 16% last week. And they said that 16% would continue for three weeks. That was also a big deal, the knowing what we're getting so we can actually plan. Otherwise, we were going week to week, and it was a surprise every week. This week, you're going to get 250. This week, you're going to get this. So knowing what we get three weeks in advance is very helpful. Knowing that we're going to get an increase is very helpful. Uh, the increase is now going to go from uh, 16 to uh, about 20 percent uh, as a direct allocation. That means the state will then turn around and supply uh, 20 percent additional to the local governments. So they can count on an additional 20 percent uh, in the coming weeks. That's the 16 plus the 5, 21, rounded to 20 percent. Uh, so uh, that's good news. The federal government is also s starting a pharmacy program direct from the federal government. We now use private pharmacies. We give private pharmacies part of our allocation for uh, private pharmacies to distribute the vaccine. Pharmacies are focusing on 65 plus. The federal government is starting its own program where they are going to supply private pharmacies also which will expand the private pharmacy network. Private pharmacies uh, do the flu vaccine every year. About half of New Yorkers get the flu vaccine, and a large percentage of them get them through pharmacies. So there's a belief that the private pharmacies can be a significant distribution model. And we have started using private pharmacies. The federal government is going to give an additional 10% of that state's allocation to the private pharmacies. So private pharmacies going forward will have more. 
in New York State is about 30,000, because we get about 300,000 vaccines uh, per week. So private pharmacies will also have more. So local governments get an additional 20% from what they were getting. That's the 16% increase uh, plus five. Pharmacies are going to get an additional 10% directly from the federal government, which will increase the pharmacy supply and those people making appointments at pharmacies. Uh, the White House is also going to reimburse the state government for uh, FEMA reimbursement. It's a financial transaction for the states, but it was important to the governors, uh, and we thank them for that. The uh, when this federal government sends the vaccine, they send it in two allocations, first doses and second doses. In other words, when you take a first dose, uh, then in 21 days, that person has to come back for a second dose if it's a Pfizer. In 28 days, they have to come back for a second dose if it's Moderna. The federal government segregates the second dosage and uh, basically reserves that for the people who receive the first dosage. There's been a dialogue by some governors and some health experts saying start to use the second dose as a first dose. In other words, uh, we have about 300,000 second doses this week. Use them for a first dose. The federal government does not now allow that. Uh, why? Because then you have to really know what your future production is, right? If you start using the second doses as first dosages, that means your production has to ramp up very quickly because then in 21 days, your numbers are going to exponentially increase. So at this point in time, the federal government does not allow using second doses for first doses. They're reserved for people. This may evolve over the coming weeks when the federal government gets a better handle on what the actual production is, uh, but that's where we are now. It's just not allowed. Local governments are getting more. Pharmacies are getting more. Not what anyone needs. We go back to Matilda's rule, which I announced on day one. The one thing you're going to hear every day from everyone is, I don't have enough. You know what I just said on the White House call? I don't have enough. You know what every county executive says to me? I don't have enough. You know what every hospital says? I don't have enough. You know what every person who calls looking for an appointment? I can't get one. No one has enough. That's 7 million with 300,000. Uh, but local governments are getting more. Local governments across the state are all in a slightly different population and a different position. Suffolk County is a little different than Erie County. Rochester is a little different than Binghamton. Uh, so uh, they are in different situations, and we want to give them more flexibility. They're getting more vaccine. Uh, if a local health department, county government, wants to add to their one, what's called 1B, prioritization, 
if they want to add uh, developmentally disabled facilities, if they want to add taxi drivers, Uber drivers, uh, restaurant workers, they can do that if they think it works within their prioritization locally. In other words, some localities have already done a large percentage of their police, their fire, their teachers. Uh, and they do have flexibility. There is no one-size-fits-all here. So, uh, yes, we have statewide priorities, which are set by the federal government. But if a local government is now getting more and they believe uh, in their local circumstance, they want to prioritize taxi drivers, Uber drivers, because they think that's been a problem, uh, or uh, developmentally disabled facilities, uh, or restaurant workers, they have that flexibility. And again, they are getting more, so theoretically, uh, they, they would have additional supply to make those decisions. But that's going to be up to the local government to add in the 1B category uh, if they think it makes sense. We're also going to uh, look at targeting vaccinations by locations with high positivity rates. We're going to do a demonstration in the Bronx. The Bronx has a very high positivity rate in New York City and has had for weeks. We're going to do a mass vaccination site at Yankee Stadium, which is only for Bronx residents. This is to accomplish two purposes. Number one, to vaccinate a large number of people, but also to bring the positivity rate down. Uh, so we are... Uh, using the Yankee Stadium demonstration to see how that works. Mass vaccination, get uh, the high positivity down, uh, and target people in areas where the positivity is higher, which tend to have a high predominance of black, poor, uh, hard-to-access communities, uh, Latino communities. So we're also working on that. Uh, local governments are working on a public safety reform collaborative. Public safety is part of economic development. They have to have a plan passed by April 1. More importantly, they have to move forward with a productive police-community relationship. Uh, crime rate is a problem in urban areas nationwide. Uh, the tension is a problem nationwide. I understand that. But we're in the problem-solving business, right? COVID is a problem. Snowstorm is a problem. Police community relations are a problem. I know. Solve it. Uh, and they have 58 days left to pass a new plan. Uh, otherwise, uh, they're not going to be eligible for funding in the state budget. But forget the funding. They should be doing that uh, anyway. Also, it has been a long year. Uh, snowstorm yesterday, two new storms on the way. People I'm with, they enjoy it. They thrive on it. Look how 
healthy and happy they look. Sarah Feinberg, smiling Pats, smiling Mike. Rick doesn't smile. But he doesn't smile anyway. It has nothing to do with the storm or anything. Just Mr. Cotton doesn't smile. I've worked with him for many years. He's just not a smiling kind of person. But take a breath. Do a little something different. There is uh, the Moynihan Train Hall. You, this is like an art gallery, the Moynihan Train Hall. Forget going to the Moynihan Train Hall to take a train. Go to the Moynihan Train Hall just to walk around and be amazed at something that is creative and beautiful and historic. Shirley Chisholm Park is 400 acres on Jamaica Bay off the Belt Parkway. Uh, it's, you would never know uh, you were in an urban environment. I mean, it is uh, just transformative when you walk through Shirley Chisholm Park. It's the largest state park in New York City. It's also new, uh, and it really is extraordinary. And you're on the water, and it's a totally different view, uh, but it's just a change of pace. And Pier 76 in Manhattan, this is, you, the west side will see uh, construction activity in the coming weeks. It's going to be turned into a public space. Uh, it has been a toe pound for many, many years, and, and the west side was saying it's a beautiful pier that goes out into the Hudson. So we're going to have that uh, finally as a public space. So take a breath. A uh, little change of scenery, and yes, it's been hard. Yes, it's been hard. And yes, we're going to get through this together. And we are getting through this together. And the vaccine is coming, uh, and we got through the snowstorm. And uh, I believe in New Yorkers. I just believe in. New Yorkers and their ability to overcome and their ability to accomplish. And uh, that's what we've seen day after day after day. That's what we've seen over the past few weeks after the holiday surge. So let's keep going. And one day we'll look back and it will be a distant memory and we will be the better for it. Let's take a few questions, operator. Thank you, Governor. If you would like to ask a question, please use the raise hand function at the bottom of your window. We'll take a brief moment to compile the Q&A roster. Governor, your first question comes from Marsha Kramer of WCBS-TV. Marsha, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Okay, operator, forget it. Marsha doesn't know how to unmute the microphone. Go to the next question right away. No, I'm right here. Can you no, hear me? No, I can't hear you. Go to the oh, next question. On. Put your hearing aid on. No, I can't hear you. <laughs> Is it technical difficulty? I'll call you back. I'm losing yeah. you. I can't. I, I'm not holding my breath about you calling me back, so I'm going to ask the question now. <laughs> So, Governor, look, there's been a lot of back and forth about allowing restaurant workers to get the vaccine. Yesterday, you said that it wasn't um, it wasn't a good argument. Today, you've changed your mind. What led led you to change your mind? And did Mayor de Blasio's um, 
comments today saying that restaurant workers should get the vaccine help to change your mind? Oh, no, Marsha, let's be clear. I said yesterday, uh, I think everybody should get the vaccine. Uh, it's a practical problem of supply and demand. You know, uh, you have many communities that are deserving of the vaccine. Uh, nurses, police, fire, teachers, certainly, 65 plus, certainly. Uh, those with compromised immune system, certainly. Those in developmentally disabled homes, certainly. Uh, restaurant workers, certainly. It becomes a question of allocation and prioritization. Uh, you have some local governments that believe uh, firmly that their taxi drivers are an issue and Uber drivers are an issue, and they should be vaccinated. Uh, you have some local governments that want to focus on developmentally disabled facilities. Uh, you have some local governments that believe uh, they should focus on restaurant workers. The, you have a limited supply. The good news is I just got off the phone with the White House, and we're getting more. We're getting more for the local governments, and we're getting more for the pharmacies. So now there's additional flexibility. And I'm leaving it up to the local governments to make a determination of what fits their situation best. And we do have more uh, vaccine now, so there is more flexibility in the system. I don't know, uh, Mayor de Blasio, if he's going to choose to do taxi drivers or restaurant workers or uh, developmentally disabled communities or focus on the police. But that's, that's a local determination for a local health department to make uh, the local county executive, the mayor, et cetera. Next question, operator. Governor, your next question comes from Andrew Donovan of WSYR-TV. Andrew, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Governor, good afternoon. How are you? Doing well. Got some snow here, as Syracuse uh, always expects. Um, people are um, very aware that the vaccine eligibility outweighs the supply. But people are also waiting on your every word, hearing about the underlying health conditions that may be eligible soon. I've also talked to a diabetic who says type 1 won't be included as soon as type 2, even according to CDC's phases currently. Wondering if you could update everyone on the status of your conversations with the CDC about underlying health conditions and eligibility. Yeah, thank you. You know, the CDC is now a new CDC, right? Uh, I chatted with Dr. Walensky this morning, uh, who's the new CDC director. They are coming in. They're evaluating the decisions that the CDC made. When you talk about immune compromise, the question is, uh, what do you include in that category? And that category can uh, get very large very quickly. Uh, the prior CDC guidance on immune compromised, and I don't know the specific difference between diabetes one, diabetes two, on what they decided, 
but it's about 4 million people in New York State. Uh, just to give you an idea of the scale, we're now at 7 million people. We only have 15 million people eligible. If you add 4 million people uh, immune-compromised, you're at 11 million of 15 million, and you're still only getting 300,000 dosages per week. So it becomes a question of, okay, everybody's available. Nobody can get it. Uh, that's part of what I believe the Trump administration did. Uh, 65-plus, everybody's eligible. 1A, 1B, 65-plus. Everybody's eligible. That's the good news. Bad news is we don't have any vaccine. Well, then what does eligibility mean if there's no availability? Eligibility without availability is illusory. And not only illusory, I believe it's counterproductive because now you create additional anxiety. Now you have 7 million people chasing appointments for 300,000 doses every week. Now I'm sitting at my phone, dialing and redialing at my computer, uh, going from website to website. Why did you create this anxiety? Uh, but we are where we are. I don't know what the CDC is going to decide about the new guidance, but you would need a significant additional supply because we have 7 million eligible. We just hit 2 million doses. So uh, we're not even a third of the way there, right, on the current eligible population. To now say to 4 million people, okay, you're eligible too. But, you know, we're nowhere near being able to get to you. Uh, it's meaningless. Now, the good news is if Johnson & Johnson gets uh, emergency authorization use, what they call EAU, that could be a big deal. Uh, single dose, no hyper-cold storage, that could be a, that could be a sig significant uh, supply increase, and that could change the reality of the situation. But without a significant increase in the supply, then uh, it's just, it's all posturing, right? Uh, the black community doesn't have enough. It doesn't. Latino community doesn't have enough. It doesn't. Disabled community doesn't have enough. It doesn't. Uh, police, fire, teachers, restaurant workers, essential workers, grocery stores don't have enough. They don't. It's, it's all true. You do the best you can with what you have. But let's recognize the reality. Next question, operator. Governor, your next question comes, comes from Sasha Pizanik. From ABC News. Sasha, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Hi, Governor. <clears throat> Thank you for taking my, uh, my question. Uh, this is in regards to the pressure that a lot of public health officials have been feeling uh, in New York and across the country. Um, you know, there, there has been reporting about uh, staff leaving from your department as well as in a, a lot of other areas. Uh, what 
can you can you speak to what the cause of this is? Are you a difficult boss to work for? Um, is it the pressure of the job? Is it COVID fatigue? Um, there are a lot of factors at play. Yeah, I think uh, you have to take a step back. This COVID situation is unlike anything people have dealt with before. Uh, the response to it has been incredibly challenging and different. It's collaborative. It's health departments, it's logistical agencies, it's all of the above. It's highly stressful, highly challenging, highly exhausting, highly fatiguing. Uh, it's not what a lot of people signed up for. It's not what a lot of people want to do. It's not what a lot of people can do. So it's all of the above. It's been nothing like it. Hopefully there'll not be nothing like it again. Let's take one last question. Governor, your last question comes from Andrew Siff from WNBC. Andrew, your line Hello. is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Governor, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Doing very well, Mr. Siff. Going to go home and go to sleep now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, my question for you has to do with the cancellation of vaccines today. Given that uh, the MTA was able to get service started, the roads are clear, things are in much better shape today. Was it a missed opportunity to reopen some of the big vaccine hubs this afternoon? And might that change your approach with other winter weather ahead? In other words, couldn't we have gotten some folks vaccinated today? Uh, the mass vaccination sites downstate are closed today. Uh, no, Andrew, we were looking at a very dangerous storm. Uh, people need to make these vaccine appointments. Uh, I don't think it was right to say to them yesterday in the midst of a snowstorm, by the way, you have to be at a vaccine site tomorrow morning. Uh, frankly, we didn't want a lot of people on the roads uh, this morning. We were still clearing roads this morning. And the, va the appointments will be honored. Uh, that will be done. Don't worry about losing your appointment. Uh, and again, we have more distribution than supply. We don't have uh, we don't have distribution problems, Andrew. We we have supply issues. Those people who have an appointment, they have a supply. That supply is not going anywhere. So uh, don't worry about that. Uh, but yes, it's a, a day delay. Uh, you know me, Andrew. I don't. I don't like any delay. Uh, the doctrine of constructive impatience, but uh, public safety comes first, and uh, it wasn't worth the risk to have people out on the roads today. Uh, and yes, they did a remarkable job in clearing roads and getting the uh, subways up and the rail up. Uh, but it still it wasn't worth the risk, and. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be back at business, and uh, that's it. Thank you all for all New Yorkers for the help. Thank you all New Yorkers for cooperating. People stayed off the roads. They stayed off the rail. It allowed everybody to do their job. Another great New York success. Thank you, guys.